Defense doesn't just win championships. Sometimes it wins fantasy leagues. And their defensive line, especially the interior, is getting better. Digzua, Watkins, they can rotate guys in. So he isn't really a tackle-heavy guy at this point, but he's a top 15 linebacker to do those big plays over the past four weeks. This is the IDP Heat Seekers. Welcome back to the IDP Heat Seekers fantasy football podcast show. All the magic, all the wonder and amazement wrapped up in one hour of IDP goodness. As you can see, we are down a man at the moment. Craig will be joining us momentarily as the Hamster wheel gets turning and things get fired up in his world. But we tonight are going to be talking about second year player breakouts in IDP. It's going to be a fun one because we're going to help you guys find some potential steals or guys to maybe target trade. If you're looking for for cheap acquisitions that maybe uh, have a chance to pop this year or chance to develop. As always, we thank you guys for hanging out with us and checking out the show. If you enjoy the content you're seeing here on YouTube, like, subscribe, hit the notification icon. Uh, don't forget, in podcast format, leave a rating and review. We do appreciate you telling the algorithm that you love our stuff. With that being said, I am joined, as always, by one of the two most amazing men that joined me on Monday nights. Austin, how are you, my friend? How is the world treating you on a Monday night? It's excellent. How many men do you have visit you on a Monday night? Just two. The other <laughs> one is now going to be joining me here. We are also joined by our main man. It is jurassic park week so we are excited that craig takes a few moments out of his giddy enjoyment and excitement to talk second year breakouts with us i see he's rocking his awesome jurassic park themed shirt for the night mr wreath how are you tonight my friend uh it's been a can you even hear me yeah oh, it's been a in my uh Headphones. It's been a day. Busy baseball practice game tomorrow, and then people not wanting to go to bed, and it sounded like a herd of elephants up above me. But I'm here and ready to talk about some second-year potential breakouts. Hope you guys are having a great Monday as well. It is enjoyable. As we get to summer vacation, and we're all parents here on the show, we all have kiddos running around. Summer vacation is definitely an interesting transition away from the, the regimented schedule. We In my house, we set our kids' bedtime, and we tell them, you know, about 9 o'clock, as long as everybody's not thunderdoming upstairs or anywhere in the house, you can stay up a little later if you're just hanging out and everybody's being cool. And then the meltdowns start happening, and they're running around and getting crazy, and it's okay. Obviously, that is not the case. Y'all need to go to bed now. But yeah, we're in the same boat. You guys are doing baseball. I got volleyball practices and camps and tryouts and horseback training and dance and gymnastics and all sorts of wonderful goodness. But that is not what we're talking about tonight, albeit we do enjoy talking about our families. We are going to be talking about IDP football tonight. We're going to be talking about second-year breakouts, guys that we think are going to pop or potentially pop or have a potential to give you some added value for your IDP rosters because you know what sometimes this time we got to look for some gems and some steals before we get to training camp and guys names start flying and getting all excited and we have a lot we have probably about I don't know eight or ten names of guys we want to talk about tonight so with that being said we're just going to run directly down the list tonight so if you guys have questions throw them in the chat we'll take care of you we'll get to them uh, here in a little bit we're going to start with Talanoa Hufanga, safety from the 49ers and I apologize if any of his family or friends hear that and I said his name wrong it's not me. 
I didn't do it. Craig, I'm going to start with you, seeing as you were the uh, the last man in. Tell us what you think about him, what you like about him. I know he did produce a little last year. I think PFF had him ranked as like the 48th ranked safety overall, which was like second best on his team. But how do you feel about him and what do you think about his What I like is that he is going to have opportunity from everything that I can tell. Jimmy Ward is entrenched as one of the starters there on that defense and that other spot is just wide open. So they did sign George Odom from the Colts, but he's a guy that makes his money on special teams. He was one of the top graded PFF special teams players last year, period, on a very good Colts special teams. And he also uh, has, I think, nine starts in four years with the Colts. He doesn't play a whole lot on defense, and he's signed for less than $4 million a year for three years. Bong is a guy that had been heralded a bit more coming out of USC, but he had some health issues. He showed last year, like I said, Brad, and he even filled in closer to the box perhaps than maybe he would need to because of all the injuries that they had at the linebacking core for the 49ers last year. But it's really him and Odom at safety that are competing. They have Tarverius Moore, who's a 2018 third-round pick that hasn't shown much at all. Fung is a physical guy. He's smart. He knows where to be. He knows how to hit, and he just puts himself in good place for that little time that he played last year. So on what is probably a veteran team, I like his chances of starting. And he's not going to be a DB1, a DB2 for you. But if we're talking about actually having a chance to break out and have a big stat line for the year, he only had 32 tackles combined last year, tackle for a loss and two pass deflections. He didn't do much. It happens with rookies all the time. Right. But I think he's going to have that opportunity. And I did pull up PFF just to make sure I wasn't saying anything incorrectly. So on the team, Jimmy Ward was ranked 16 out of 92 possible safeties last year. George Odom was ranked 50th, and Hufanga was ranked 48th. So he did grade out higher. And when you look at the, the breakdown of the grades, you know, he had plenty of snaps. And the guy had over over 600 snaps last year on defense. And, and he graded out best against the run, obviously, because like you said, Dude was in the box quite a bit and has that potential. So that's good for tackle heavy, right? He's going to be up there close in the line, potentially getting you tackles. So, you know, I think the potential's there, and the, and the team liked him enough to take him higher than I think most thought they were going to in the draft last year. Austin, what do you... Yeah, I think Kafunga, he's a pretty rangy guy, but the thing that I like the most about him and the thing that I look for in the safeties that I try to get for fantasy, especially in IDP, is just I try to get the guys that are able to come up and make the tackle, play in the box, be diverse, be moved all over the formation, and really get meaningful plays. And that's something that I think that Kafunga is going to be able to do a little bit more this year is... It's just going to have better access to more meaningful plays. And I think you know, opportunity being king in fantasy is going to create a great opportunity for him. I'm looking forward to watching him play this year, and I would definitely be acquiring him on the cheap and stashing him away if I've got a deep enough roster to do that or just you know taking a chance on the guy. I really think he's going to have an opportunity to break out, and I think that's one of the reasons we put him on this list. Absolutely. <laughs> Nailed it. He is definitely on this list because we think he has potential. I would agree with you 100%, brother. Okay, so one down. Next one up, Andre Cisco, safety from the Jacksonville Jaguars. This one will be interesting to talk about because, obviously, this is one of those teams where coaching staff changed over. So they bring in Doug Peterson. They bring in – he tends to be more of a 4-3 of a kind of defensive schemed coach. You know, Mike Caldwell's running the defense. And, and from what I've seen, he tends to traditionally stick around that 4-3 that base. But, obviously, we know – most teams anymore are sitting in dimes and nickels and things like that. And he has competition. So Cisco last year graded out, you know, like a 67.9 in PFF. And Andrew Wingard came over 
and is a guy that is going to be competing with him at that position. And it looks like Rayshon Jenkins is the other starting safety potentially. So Austin, I'll start with you and go to Craig on this one. You know, what do you think about a guy like Cisco and, and what his potential chances are this year to really kind of boom and bust? Or And do you like him more than a guy like Hufanga? You know, as we talk through this list, who do you like more is a question we should be answering as well. Yeah, so... I, don't, I wish Cisco would have got more opportunities than he did last year. He's still got the same guys kind of in the way of his playing time with Andrew Wingard and Rayshon Jenkins. I would love to see him paired with Rayshon Jenkins. I think that he would be a really good, strong safety just from the way that he's able to move up in the box and play, make tackles. Like he's a big play guy. He gets a lot. He's he knows where to be in position to to make a play on the ball. He's aggressive to the ball. He's just a, a player that last year I actually drafted quite heavily and stored him in my taxi squad everywhere I could, just like knowing this guy is you know, probably going to have a year or two breakout, just being able to watch his college tape and see what he was doing. It was like, he looked very promising to me. So I'm really hoping this uh, coaching change helps, you know, the trajectory of his career kind of change hopefully he'll get a better opportunity because i'm telling you man he he's a talented guy and i would love to see him just get that opportunity in year two mr reef yes so interestingly i actually he's a guy that i like pre-draft if you watch our pre-draft stuff mm -hmm. last year a lot guy is a complete ball hawk at the safety position as far as when he played in college he had 14 pass deflections and 13 interceptions in 24 games at Syracuse. And he also showed a little bit of that in the limited playing time that he had last year. You know, he played in 17 games. He didn't have a huge snap count, but he had two pass deflections and two forced fumbles. He's on a young team who's going to get opportunity, I think. And you're going to hear different variations of this sort of thing throughout the night. But with OTAs here, you're getting some of this playing time for these younger guys, hopefully being out there. And Doug Peterson's actually talking him up quite a bit, mm -hmm. uh, which is great to see, to Brad's point, when this isn't the coaching staff that brought him in initially through the draft, to have the coaching staff calling him out, saying how well he's doing as far as communicating, flying around. That's the stuff that you want to hear this time of year. If the player's not being mentioned or you hear stuff that you don't like, it's a huge red flag. So is it coach speak? Yeah, probably. But at the same time, if he's going out of his way to mention them, that's only going to be a good thing for him at this point and getting that opportunity even in practice. In the league that Brad and I are in, and it's a crazy league because there are not positions, you can start anyone on defense for a one-pick swap. So to move from pick 11 back to pick 12 in the first round of this draft, I got Andre Cisco and then Joseph. You know, for me, there's not a huge big difference. A super flex leagues at the back end of that first round. Cisco's a guy that I really liked. Osai didn't like as much, but still two young defenders that kind of got forgotten about for various reasons after year one to get them in a one pick swap back in a league that has nice defensive scoring, but it's just all over the board what you can do. I'll take that anytime. Yeah, I still believe in him and I'm looking forward to the opportunity that he gets. Opportunity is all that matters. You know, if the guy has potential and he gets that opportunity, then, then the sky's the limit with him. So um, the next guy I want to talk about is interesting to me because depending on where you look and, and as as we as we talk about him, I want your guys' opinion if this hurts or helps his value. But Richie Grant, safety, slot cornerback, he's a little bit of both for the Atlanta Falcons. In the offseason, you know, they acquired, you know, Dean Marlowe, who was a guy from Detroit who's kind of been a journeyman, but he's a, a safety that knows the scheme and, and things like that, to go with Eric Harris, and then they have Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins behind him. I Unfortunately, I don't know how long it'll take for both these guys, but I like both the guys in the back 
more than the starters at this point. But depending on where you look, you know, if you look at like PFS of the world, they have them listed as a, as a potential slot corner in this defense. And I don't know how much I like that. I, I think I like it, but I don't know if I like it. So I want you guys' opinion because this is a player that last year I liked a lot coming into the league. And now, you know, I still have him on a few taxi squads. Nobody's really been biting it to, to, to trade for him because there's a lot of uncertainty in Atlanta. Craig, I'm going to start with you. What what do you think about Grant and how do you feel about him if he's used in multiple positions? Does that give him the chance to maybe be on the field more or, you know, what what do you see doing to his value if he plays corner and safety or or somewhere in between? So to that point, uh, defensive coordinator John Hope, can you hear me or no? Yeah, no, I was, oh, you said I was point. Just... So I was pointing. Huh. Gotcha. John Hook said they are planning on using him at safety this year. They're not planning on continuing to use him at slot corner. That's one of the things that came out article because it was on The Athletic, but talking about just the Falcons in general and talked about Grady Jarrett on there too. And so the plan is for him to be at safety. That said, if you're going to end up starting and he's going to have cornerback eligibility for you in a league where you have to have a cornerback, it'll be a cheat code for a year. I don't think you're going to end up maintaining that value beyond a year and we know some sites change that stuff in season some changes the next year so just be aware of that i liked him a lot too he's another one of our fan favorites for both of us going into last year he didn't play a lot last year he played less than 25 percent of the defensive snaps but to your point 192 of his 276 defensive snaps were at uh slot corner which is a ton he had 10 snaps at safety period last year and he admitted you know hey there's a big learning curve he had to learn behind some guys like harris and marlowe i would really look forward to a grant and hawkins combo too hawkins uh, actually showed better of the two last year and i think he has a lot of long-term promise there's an article over at rotoheat.com you can find that i think i have out about jalen hawkins or it's coming Shameless plug. Week. one or the other the one thing that kind of scares me about him and this is just the dynasty brain you're talking about these guys, you know, like Cisco, he's going to be 22 this year. Fonga is going to be 22 this year. Richie Grant is going to be 25 this season in his second year in the league. He's going to be by far the oldest of these second-year guys we're talking about. Is that a death knell for someone? Certainly not. But when you're talking about that, you know, not-for-long type of league, the, the younger guys that are going to have more opportunity to grow yet are probably going to be given more chances the longer their career goes on just because age is still on their side, whereas if Grant hasn't shown much at the end of this, you know, four years. This will be year two. He probably isn't going to be anything in the league or get a whole lot because it'd be what he's going to be then 27 at the end of his first contract. So for Dynasty, does it really matter? No, but that stuck out to me when I was looking at the ages of these. Like, wow, second year he's going to be 25, and we know that gets blown up on the offensive side. So I think it's worth mentioning. But I'm hopeful for him. But man, that first year out of all these guys, he had one of the worst. So Yeah, it was it was rough to watch, unfortunately. Austin, what do you think? Yeah, I think Craig really nailed every single point. You know, with him being twenty five, it is concerning. Anytime you're running dynasty leagues and you're trying to acquire talent and things like that, especially when you think you're getting somebody young, you don't realize that if he's a fifth year senior, then you know He's, he's going to be a little older. And, but watching Richie Grant in college, I was another fan favorite of his, just like you guys were. I loved how fast he played. He was another guy that took 
an aggressive approach to the football, was a ball hawk, made a lot of big plays. And then you saw him, he was a willing, more than willing tackler. He was aggressive tackler. When he, when he hit somebody, they were going to feel it. So and that was one of my favorite parts about his game. And that's something that I love to see because, you know, that kind of aggressiveness, it transitions to the NFL. And so he's got the size and um, I thought he really had all the intangibles, but yeah, it's just one of those deals. Like he mentioned, you know, Craig, I think mentioned that, Hey, he admitted that there was a learning curve. You know, that's the one thing that we can, we can't really see on tape. You know what I mean? Like to us, yep. You look like you're in position. You look like you know where you're going, but do you really all the time? And NFL is a different game. It's more complex, but hopefully he'll get the opportunity this year. I'm glad that they're moving him back out of slot corner. Maybe that was one of those deals where the Falcons thought our defense is terrible. All the best field that we can get. They thought correctly. Yeah, so get the kid on the field any way they can because he did stand out in 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 practicing places we I would have expected that based on what I saw on the film I would have expected that he would find a way on the field one way or the other but I'm glad to see that he'll be used used correctly this year because that's going to be important for him for sure. So it's safe to say in college he spared no expense to get to the ball carrier, right? With that learning curve at the end, though, sometimes we forget about these guys, you know, like we talked about here. Uh, Andre Sisko played at Syracuse, which isn't a powerhouse. He played against a lot of other really good teams, Safonga at USC. Richard Grant was at Central Florida. So that learning curve or that competition is probably greater for him even than what he had been used to when he put up that great college career. And, and he... And he's also, and it's not exactly, he he's playing for a defensive coordinator who has been doing it for a long time. So his defense is a little bit more complex that when you talk about the terminology of the defense, Dean Pease has some different terminology, at least from what I've read. Obviously, I'm not in the league, so what do I know? But sometimes that's harder for young guys to pick up kind of the nuances and some of those things. And it just takes a little bit of time. And, you know, the thing that we liked about him going into it was, you know, the athletic profile, the willingness to go in the box and really, you know, uh, put his head down, not necessarily literally, but put his head down and really work hard to, to to rack up the tackles and be a playmaker, all that stuff. So none of that really changes. It's just how quickly can he pick up the nuances of the defense and, and pick up what they're asking for him at his position, especially with the way they kind of used him last year. You know, that that's a lot for a rookie to try to do. So hopefully year two, we see some progression. He may not be you know, in this list, he's probably not the biggest boom potential second year player. But if he can take the next step, then you really begin to see, okay, there's some potential with this kid. So definitely a guy we like. I have to correct myself. I uh, gave someone a, a promotion that I'm not able to give him. John Hook is the secondary coach of the Falcons. He wasn't the oh. coordinator I spoke <laughs> earlier. But yeah, he's still Dean coaching the... him daily. So the point still what they're planning to do with him likely stands. Right. Very true. Speaking of standing, let's stand for nothing. I don't know. I got nothing on that one. I really never know where to go. Next, we're going Pete Warner, linebacker of the Saints, though. He is currently standing as the top linebacker in the Saints defense with the likes of, you know, like Zach Bond and... Oh, does uh, he, Brad? What's that? Does he stand as their top linebacker? If you look at his PFF grades, he grades out as their top linebacker. Currently on the roster, he graded out higher than Demario Davis last year. Yeah. Uh, and definitely higher than Zach Bond. <laughs> you might have scored better at PFF than Zach Bond, unfortunately, who I liked a lot pre-draft, but he's not going to make one of these shows anytime soon with the, the way that. And the way that that defense runs, I don't know that outside of their top two linebackers, I don't know that we see a lot of fantasy value. That's a conversation for another show, obviously. But the top two linebackers are really all that I'm interested in in the Saints defense. Warner Warner graded out well, but he's another one of those guys that that 
grades better against the run than against the pass. You know, so I don't know that I'm expecting him to make a lot of of plays on the ball and getting you, you know, interceptions, things like that. Maybe you get lucky, get a pa- couple pass deflections or something like that. But this guy is more tackle in my mind. If you're looking at him, he's looking for lots of tackles, getting be you know, getting behind the line, maybe getting some sacks or some TFLs, things like that. But Austin, what do you think about a guy like Pete Warner this year? Yeah, I think Pete Warner looks like he's going to be the starter right next to Demario Davis again this year and mm-hmm. should with increased time on the field and he should get the opportunity to to be another breakout player. The way he played last year when he did get the opportunities, like you said, he was really really excellent tackler made a lot of good plays there didn't really do much in coverage that was too impressive i think he kind of started off hot but then fizzled off at the end of the year so he has the ability to play in coverage i think certainly more than demario davis would if i was going to put one in coverage it would probably be warner just because of youth and he's a little he's a little more uh, agile than <laughs> demario davis but yeah he does a lot of things really well he can go sideline to sideline he could create pressure up the middle so there's a lot of things that pete warner does pretty well I mean, he's not an elite guy he's not a guy that i would tackle or that i would uh, target as my you know linebacker one or linebacker two necessarily even but definitely a guy that you know if i'm in a deep enough league where i can stash him and acquire him on the cheap where guys haven't really noticed that oh hey this guy's going to become the starter go ahead and throw him on your roster and see if you could cash in on it because there's a pretty good opportunity for him mr craig what do you think about him yeah he was third in snaps last year behind davis and uh, now jet i think Quan alexander so he is probably going to be that second linebacker because they have the unfortunate so far in the nfl zach bond caden ellis who's been on the team for a while who's a seventh round pick eric wilson who's now bounced around since he had that good year in minnesota and then rookie DeMarco Jackson as their linebacker. So I don't really see anyone probably taking that other spot from them. The bad news with this is that I think DeMario Davis is probably sticking around this year and next year. When you look at that contract that they gave him, he's got almost $17 million and then $12 million in dead cap if they were to get rid of him the next two years. It's a lot of money to eat for the Saints. And I know they love to do their fidgeting and try to find cap space in creative ways because say the cap doesn't exist. But either way, that's a lot of money for a guy that's going to be in his mid-third. So that may put a damper on it. But I agree with Brad. If you're looking at a tackle-heavy league, I think he's a great guy to target. He's not going to get you a whole lot of college. is a different beast, of course. But he only had 16 tackles for a loss in four years, four sacks, and 13 pass deflections. So he might get you a couple of these here and there. The tackles are going to be mainly where he gets his scoring. So if you're in a balanced league, you know, Give that some consideration in a big play scoring type of league. He probably doesn't have as much value for you. Well, what do you and so what do you think if we're thinking about you know kind of expectations for for stats this year? What do you think in 60, 70 tackles, solos, maybe more? You know, when you think assists, what are we getting around 100? Combined, I think he can easily get to 100 because he played in 15 games. He started eight last year, and I think he had 62 combined with 36 solos. So if you bump that up to like 16 and 40, I could certainly see that if he's starting probably not even 17 games because not many players do. But if you peg right. him in for starting all 15 games and getting even that, you know, 70%-ish or more snap share on that defense, that the defensive line is still in flux. I don't really think they're completely sure who they like there with all those spots. It's Cam Jordan and is it Peyton Turner or is it Davenport and – Right. They've got a lot of weird stuff going on there, but they want to contend clearly the way they're trying to load up the weapons for Jameis for a playoff spot. So I think the defense is going to be on the field. Yeah. 
Okay. And that, and that's kind of my thought with him. If, if your expectation is somewhere around a hundred combined and then he sprinkles in something else, then it's, you know, it's just a little extra sweetness on top of that cake. That's the expectation there. And, and at least from my mind, that was kind of what I was thinking as, as I was looking at him and his production. And honestly, of all the linebackers on this list, I think he's the one you have to target. If you're looking for somebody as depth that you feel confident, you can trust in. So some of the other guys we're going to talk yeah. about have potential, but this guy we're pretty sure is going to at least get you something like that. Uh, next up on the list is the linebacker that's near and dear to Craig's heart with his favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys, Jabril Cox. So it looks like he's probably slated to be one of their starters, probably the Sam, I would guess, from what I've been reading and seeing. Craig, I'll let you start with this thing. This is your team. What do you think about Jabril Cox? I know he's got you know a, a lot going on there with, with sitting next to Micah Parsons and Van Der Esch, but what's your thoughts on him? So they only played really two linebackers at one time consistently throughout the course of last year because they had they played three safeties a lot. You know, they had more defensive linemen. Of course, they moved Parsons around. You have a very different linebacking core than the complete mess that they had last year. They have Parsons, of course. They got Vander Esch, who they brought back on a one-year deal. That's only $1.25 million, so I don't think he's even guaranteed to start. Then they got Damon Clark, who health question marks. Devin Harper, another rookie, and then Luke Gifford, who was a 2019 UDFA. Uh, Gifford had 32 defensive snaps last year, and Cox had nine. So one of them is going to have to step up, I would think, and my money would probably be on Cox, and I think he really has a good shot to actually start on that defense. He does very well in coverage, which, of course, equates nicely to today's NFL he had that standout career, I think it was North Dakota State, before going to LSU for one year. He's yep. got good size, and again, it's going to be an opportunity thing. Parsons is going to be the guy there, but I think he's going to be there's like a Swiss Army knife moving around, and Cox may have that opportunity to be that second linebacker and stay out there for those coverage snaps. So a guy that is free in a lot of leagues right now, if you're in deep leagues, or you can just throw him on your taxi to see how it pans out, I think he's a great guy to stash at this point. Austin, what's your thoughts on him, my man? I'm with it. I think I was surprised the Cowboys brought Van Der Esch back, but like you said, they brought him back on the cheap. There's no commitment from their front office to say that this guy has to get a certain amount of snaps or playing time just to justify our you know, spend. So in that case, I, I really see Jabril Cox being able to push for that starting job this year at the weak side linebacker, and I love the way that he's going to compliment uh, Micah Parsons if he's able to get on the field and be able to play. You know, We do talk about opportunity but is this guy going to be a good fit and my assessment would be if he got the opportunity to start next to Mike Parsons in this defense I think that we would there would be a noticeable difference that he would make compared to you know what we see from Van Der Esch who he's there he's all right you know he he gets tackles and things but he's just not very great in coverage he's slow he just doesn't impress me he's very annoying to watch at times i don't know how you feel craig being a dallas fan but sometimes he's just very frustrating to watch and i think jabril cox could make a refreshing difference and so i i hope that he gets the this job and like you said you know looking at what he has to compete with you're looking at you know luke gifford okay and the Damone Clark, who's not even going to get snaps this year. For me, Jabril Cox, he has a good path to starting time. And he's definitely a guy you should be able to get cheap, if not for free. For the guy league. that had been called the next uh, Brian Urlacher, probably by Jerry Jones, or someone <laughs> in the organization when they drafted him, injuries just ruined his career, which was the concern coming out of college, you know, being injury, having, and are guys really injury prone? 
I, I take injury prone the way the Supreme Court took pornography. You, you know it when you see it. If you have to argue about is somebody injury prone, he's not. Uh, Keenan Allen, when he had two freak injuries his first two years, he's not injury prone. Clayton Vander, I should just couldn't stand the field just having these big things over and over and over and over. That's injury prone. Sorry, it sucks, but some guys just have bad luck. Right. Nope. I agree. And and in this defense, the way that they've kind of built this roster, Parsons is going to have to be used all over. So it really does open up the opportunity for somebody to step up. And I think, you know, either Cox and obviously we know Clark isn't going to be on the field probably if at all this year, but either one of those two would be the guys that I would I would peg as that next man up. So because of, you know, just the fact that Cox should should get the first chance. I'm all in on it. I think he's got the profile. The defensive scheme, you know, it seemed like it shouldn't be that difficult to pick up. Heck, Parsons is a rookie. They were able to move them all over and do all sorts of things. So you got to think they'll be able to figure out ways to use Cox along that that middle of the field as a, as a linebacker only. He's not going to have his hand in the dirt ever. But he's definitely an interesting guy and one that I think has potential to boom. But like I said, with Pete Warner, we've seen with Warner that there is some some potential there, and we know that he's beginning to produce. This guy, we haven't seen enough out of. I don't think I think he had less than 200 snaps last year on defense, probably less than 150 snaps. If I remember. Cox, yeah, he had nine. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. even even less than 100. I was <laughs> like, I know he wasn't on the field very often. So. Yeah, he got some in, on special teams, and I yeah, think he that, played special teams. Oh, you know, special teams. That's probably where I saw the uptick in snaps. You know, so this is a guy that it's it's all potential, but. This is a guy that you should be able to pick up either off your waiver wire or get for cheap if you need some depth at linebacker that you're looking for somebody that can boom because he has plenty of boom potential. Yeah, I think the thing we don't know about him that we should that we're going to have to know is how he's going to respond to like it seems like the guys on that defense are, you know, like Curse and you know some of those guys they're very vocal leaders and they're leaders who are looking for more leaders. So the defense was so fun to watch last year and i'm not even a cowboys fan so i think if jabril cox responds to that i think that'll be a really good thing yep i agree i do want to throw one thing in here i don't know if you said this at the start of the show brad and if you did i'm sorry we're not going over any of these first round players from last year's draft because of course those guys are going to get opportunity up the wazoo and you know it really isn't uh that much of a reach to say i think gregory rousseau might have a breakout year this year when you know, he showed well nice year last year He's going to be playing what opposite Von Miller, and he's going to be having more playing time. There isn't a whole lot more to add. <laughs> so we are going into stretch. guys in the second round and beyond. So if you're looking for some first round guys, we won't be discussing them tonight. Yeah, for sure. Good point. But the next person we will be discussing is Divine Diablo, converted safety to linebacker for the Las Vegas Raiders. This team right now, it kind of looks like the the depth chart is Jayon Brown, who came over from Tennessee alongside Denzel Perriman with Chandler Jones and Max Crosby as the outside linebackers. And depending on where I'm seeing it, it looks like they're pegging this to be a 3-4 defense under Josh McDaniel and Patrick Graham, which would make sense because New England ran and Patrick Graham's history looks like he runs plenty of 3-4. So the way that they currently have Diablo, it looks like they've got him kind of in the middle. So he would be kind of the second line with Micah, Car- Micah Kaiser as the as the next men up at least at this point obviously we haven't seen any live action we're not even a training camp for another month and a half with that all being said this guy probably is going to take some time to even get up an option or, or some potential to get on the field craig what do you think about this kid and and do you think it's going to be anything for us this year to really even um, see out of him other than just training camp and, and early on so the nice thing about all these linebackers, other than Diablo, who was drafted by him, that you mentioned, Perriman, Brown, Kaiser, and Kenny Young is the other one that I saw. 
they're all super cheap contracts, so they're not heavily invested in any of these guys starting. Pyramids two for six. And then Brown, Kaiser, and Kenny Young are all about one to one and a half million for one year. So if he shows out, they're not going to hesitate to throw him in there and get him playing time. And he did do decently last year. Five starts in 17 games. He had 45 tackles, pass deflection, fumble recovery. And he did pretty well as far as run defense and pass rushing for a rookie. He did not do well in coverage, which was one of my concerns going back to last year this time. He just Mm -hmm. didn't have that quickness, those hips to be able to do well in coverage in college. And I didn't think it was going to translate that well. He's a big dude. He's like 6'3", 226, and he just didn't have that ability. But at a linebacker, I think he has much more potential. He did well last year when he got pressed into it. So I think that opportunity will be there for him. You know, Perriman was a holdover from the last regime. They brought him in, and he just did really well. Brown showed out really well, too, last year when he was healthy. Being healthy has been an issue for him. Some combination of Perriman, Brown, and Diablo, I think, are going to be your clear top three guys. And if you have Diablo, even if he doesn't be the starter this year, hold on to him because the rest of these guys, again, are not going to be around for long, I don't think. When you look at, he played, you know, 277 snaps in the box, and he graded out very well as a pass rusher and a run defender at the yep. linebacker position. You know, and that was as a rookie who was moving from safety to linebacker. So that that's a slot, and that speaks volumes. What do you think, uh, Austin? Yeah, I think he does an incredible job when he's on the field, and I agree. He will be in a three-player three, three player rotation, but the uh, Raiders are going to have to find a way to make sure that they get this kid on the field. It's another one of those situations with Richie Grant where the, he's just got undeniable talent. He does a lot of things really well. You love the diversity, being able to you know, play in coverage as a safety, but also being able to come up and be a willing tackler in the box, and not only a willing tackler, but an effective tackler. I think you know, that's important too. They've, they've got ways to keep him on the field just by his skill set alone, and they're definitely going to do that. I think he's a good complement to Jayon Brown. Their game is quite different, and I think that Denzel Perryman's probably going to be that you know consistent guy that you're going to see on the field anchoring the middle of the defense and he should be and he played at a pro bowl level last year um, guy who's been in the league for a while but really came on and has really played well so if he continues to play well and stays healthy i i see it being a three-way rotation you know more so with divine diablo and of course Jayon brown but if there's any injuries at all diablo slides right in for really almost either one of those guys he's a little bit smaller uh, than what you would like to see you know at middle linebacker but he's still got the size to to stay in there and play so i think he'd be fine all right so moving on speaking of fine it is (laughs) fine when i get any chance i can to talk about my detroit lions Next up, we're going to talk Derek Barnes, uh, second-year linebacker out of Purdue for the Detroit Lions. Right now, who knows? They got Anzalone. They brought back Jared Davis. They've got a rookie from Oklahoma State, Malcolm Rodriguez, you know, and then obviously on the outside, you know, uh, guys like Charles Harris and Romeo Carr coming back from injury. And, you know, they got a lot of guys. You know, Sean Deanna Hamilton still walking around in the building. Yeah, Josh Woods, Anthony Pittman. Detroit's got a lot of linebackers, and this is a team that's very much in transition. You know, they're still trying to rebuild, and linebacker hasn't gotten a lot of early-round draft capital. They've gone, you know, day three so far in the first two drafts. Derek Barnes is a guy that that they loved his potential, his explosiveness, but he's coming very unrefined, and Aaron Glenn is doing the best he can to try to bring him along, and I'm sure this year he gets a chance because last year what they had just wasn't very good. But I'll start with you, Austin. What do you think about a guy like Derek Barnes? What do you think about his potential? Is this somebody that you've 
actively targeted have you bought his football jersey are you asking uh for his autograph when you see him what what do you think about him not him i will say you know he he's a fine player like you know he's fine like kind of what we let into on this guy but he's just doesn't excite me and i can tell you his game is really inconsistent when you just look at how he played last year when he was able to get in there and get some playing time. He was very inconsistent. He was a pretty good tackler, but outside of that, he wasn't really able to create a consistent presence on the defensive line at all. He, he really didn't do a great job of getting to the quarterback. He's not very great in coverage. He's limited and a guy that I've been drafting heavily, and I know I'm probably going to get beat up for this because he went in the sixth round, but I can tell you Malcolm Riguez is consistent and Malcolm Riguez could really push this kid for time. Now, do I think that's going to happen? Probably not. So when we're talking, since we're talking about Derek Barnes, for me, you know, he's got potential to break out, of course, because he's got, you know, better draft capital. He's a little bigger. Uh, one of the concerns with Rodriguez is his size, and obviously Derek Barnes has that. With his size, you would think he would be able to do more off the edge, you know, create more of a, of a pass rush presence, but. They've got to find ways to get him in there and, and, and do those things, whether it's just giving him, maybe he didn't get the opportunity to do them as much. I'm not sure, but they're going to have to find a way to make this kid be effective because he is talented. He is skilled. And I think if he gets the right opportunities and gets used the right way, then maybe he could show out. But he's going to have to improve his inconsistency. That's the number one thing I see with him. Yeah, Rodriguez is an interesting guy. I've listened to some some profiles on him in, in one of the podcasts, one of the Lions podcasts. Uh, I follow Bron on some local Oklahoma State, you know, reporters to talk about him. And dude seems super smart, you know. And as a guy who was a big Stephen Tulloch fan when he was in Detroit and Tennessee, you know, undersized linebackers can still be a thing in the NFL, which is why I'm a Kobe Dean fan as well. You know, if if you're smart enough and and can handle, you know, overcoming some of that adversity and you have a, that work ethic, you can be successful at the next level. So if Rodriguez really does have, and it sounds like he has the smarts, he came in as a converted quarterback, went to safety, then moved up to linebacker and played for OK State, you know, basically as a, from a rookie on, it sounded like, and, and he was pushed into action, but he provided a strong against the run. He was a sure tackler and he stayed healthy. And as a guy who was undersized, as, the, as they kept calling him, I mean, the dude just... He takes care of himself, and that'll show. You know, Dan Campbell loves them football guys. If this if this kid really does eat, sleep, you know, and 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 dream about football, and and he really does bring it, there'll be a spot for him. But Barnes is still a guy I think has the athletic profile that if they can help develop some of those other other areas of his game, the consistency that you spoke of, then you know he'll have the chance because right now. All he's really got to do is beat out Anzalone and Jared Davis. And Jared Davis is now in his second tenure with Detroit. And all he really is is a pass rush specialist. Greg, what do you think about him? I just want to say, I think this is the third show in a row where Brad's brought up Stephen Tulloch and he hasn't played in the league since 2016 and Lions since 2015. So that just tells you the state of the Lions that Brad's finding for seven oh. years ago when Stephen Tulloch was still alive. I follow him on Instagram. That's how much I like him. Good dude. T take whatever guy that you like out of this group. But who who really knows? Barnes is, I think, the best draft capital out of the guys that have been drafted by and stayed with the team, which, again, doesn't say much. He was a fourth-round pick a year ago. Doesn't right. say much of anything. But I think he's going to still get opportunity. You know, he had a couple good showings there. It, there really isn't a whole lot I'll say. It. It's, it's wide open. It's to the point, Brad, right. where you're giving Julian Aquara reps at inside linebacker too they said i saw that today i'm like you guys have no clue what you're doing if you're trying to move him all around on your linebacking core oh yeah they're, they're trying to in their mind it's we're putting the the best 
players out that can handle the position and we'll just see where it goes. You know, they've been rebuilding through the trenches, through the outside of receiver where they need some receiver help. And they just, they linebacker has not been critical enough at a high draft position yet. And I expect them to go looking at linebackers unless, you know, some of these young guys they have can develop, but I just, next year I would expect a first or second round linebacker. I love it from a, a real life NFL point of view. For, for fantasy, I honestly, I just want nothing to do with it until, unless you're stashing someone on a taxi squad or getting them for free once they start showing out. There's, there's no reason to invest in this group right now. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, I have no Lions shares in the linebacker group at this point. And I think my last linebacker share I had was a Jared Davis share back, back when he first was drafted by us. Next up, we're going to talk about a guy that I do have some shares of because I do like this player a lot. Baron Browning, linebacker with the Denver Broncos. Um, he got some snaps last year. You know, they, they played him pretty much played mostly in the box for Denver. But at this point, it looks like He's not necessarily a starter, but he could be a starter. He's going against, you know, guys like Josie Jewell, Alex Singleton. And it's not like the 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 who's who, you know, Randy Gregory came over from Dallas. Malik Reed is there. He has potential to step up and and take a position next to Bradley Chubb and or across from Bradley Bradley Chubb. But I don't know. I just don't know what Denver's gonna do there yet because Denver, I never trust their defense. Like it's so hard to trust what they do back there. Austin, what do you what do you make of this linebacker group? And then what are you doing with Baron? I have Baron Browning in some leagues, and I'm holding him. I'm certainly not moving him. Like you mentioned, there's a lot going on in this defense, especially with the addition of Randy Gregory, who they're going to use in some form, probably off the edge. You're going to probably see more just like two linebackers in the box rather than having three on the field. So they're, they're probably going to see more of that this year. I don't know. Baron Browning, I could see him sliding in and being able to get some meaningful snaps in there on the defense. I'm hoping that he can. He's got the talent to. And really, the, the thing about it is, it's like, you know, for me, Alex Singleton, he, he actually did play pretty well in Philadelphia, of course. But Alex Singleton's he's kind of getting up there in age, I'm pretty sure. And Josie Jewell, obviously, he had the injury last year, limited his ability to play. I think he missed most, if not all, of the, the regular season. So we'll see how he's able to come back from that and see what he's able to do. But yeah, other than that, it's just pretty pretty blah at linebacker. So I think, you know, in that regard, he could have an opportunity if, you know, injury or some else happens you know maybe he just plays his way in, into a spot and that's not totally out of the question i wouldn't say looking at who's in front of him he's a guy that i'm probably hanging on to i wouldn't invest heavily in obviously i wouldn't trade a an, an asset that i know is productive right now for him but if it's something where you know something that's re very recoverable in your leagues depending on you know what your league format is if you're trading away something that's very recoverable i would i would consider doing that especially if it's for a cheap price Mr. Reith. So I was a fan. And then I started looking at how they seem to be thinking they want to use him this year. And I got discouraged. So far, they're using him as an edge player in camp to the point where the coach said, Baron, he did. This is a quote now from Nathaniel Hackett, the new head coach. Baron, he did a great job at outside backer this past camp. I think he's going to grow there. You can never have enough people to rush a passer. Point one, I agree. That's true. You never can have enough. Two, if that's how they're going to use him this year for fantasy, it stinks because I don't think he's going to start. 
like Brad said, they resent Gregory to a lot of, or they signed Gregory to a lot of money from Dallas. They have Bradley Chubb, who's still going to start. They're paying him big money after being the fifth overall pick five years ago, something like that. Yeah. Um, last year of his rookie deal, they're going to see what they have in him. Do they want to potentially resign him? Malik Reed, who's been a nice situational pass rusher, he's back on a one-year deal. Jonathan Cooper, another Ohio State guy, actually from the same draft, showed well in spots starting there last year, and they're going to keep him around. He's a special teams player. So it kind of feels like they're trying to utilize that athleticism that Browning had in just barrels at Ohio State, but he never really capitalized on it there, and they're hoping maybe if they put him there, he can capitalize on it more. And, you know, he did all right PFF grade-wise for pass rushing and coverage for a rookie. He's got good size. It just seems like now they're saying, we don't know what we want to do with them. Let's try him somewhere else, which, again, that can be great for your team to have that flexibility and all that. And maybe this is just a camp thing, but it's come up more than once. And if you hear that the whole camp, that's how they're using them. For me, at least it puts a damper on those sort of hopes because I, I was with you guys and that they're thinking, put him on the inside. This is improved defense, improved offense. There's going to be opportunity. And now it's like, someone dumping water on you when you're outside trying to have a parade or something. Ah, 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 you didn't say the magic word. Don't forget about Nick Benito, the second round pick from, was he from no, Oklahoma, right? It's even worse than that. Yeah, so you have even more, comp- and and I was just, I was pulling up some articles from, from, from OTAs. Evero, the DC there, you know, is talking up Benito and about how quickly he's picking things up. Also talking about Baron Browning, about his transition to the edge, you know, continued to throw some more um, water on that fire that, you know, Browning has potential, but Browning as an edge rusher does not have nearly as much potential as Browning as an inside guy. But that also, you have to be careful, you know, coach speak throughout the offseason, you never know. They know what they they know what they have in the inside linebacker version of Baron Browning, my guess would be. So they're trying him at edge. Cautiously optimistic is the best way that we can put it with a guy like this. You know, if you have room in, in a deeper IDP, Sure, you know, stash them, see what happens. Just don't, you know, don't go getting super excited. It almost feels like our order of of importance, minus the next guy that we want to talk about, is is kind of been the way that I would look to grab them. Ozizo Jalari, defensive end, edge rusher from the Giants, is the next guy up. But him and Hufanga and Cisco are probably my three guys from the group that we talk about tonight that I would actively target and try to acquire as a depth guys or i mean in, in olajelari's case i mean dude had eight sacks as a rookie i mean so it's not like he's not produced and he's probably got the best of production of any of these second year guys that we're going to talk about tonight craig with a guy like ojalari and and we'll throw barmore in because i want to get to a couple questions before we end the show so these last two guys that we want to talk about what do you think about them and then um are you targeting you know and, and really in looking back at all this are there guys that you're targeting more than others or are you just seeing what you can get on waiver wires and ignoring the rest. I'm going to jump to Barmore because I want to make sure we get to him because I actually am really excited for his career. When he got that draft capital with the Patriots in the second round, he's the 30th overall pick. He was a raw prospect coming out of Alabama. He didn't produce a lot until his last year. I think it might have been even in the playoffs for Alabama. And then he went, and we know Bill Belichick, generally speaking, does not give rookies a whole lot of playing time, especially on defense. Wasn't the case for him. He played over half of the defensive snaps. He had 46 tackles, 23 solo, three tackles for a loss, two and a half sacks, three pass deflections. He's going to be just 23 this year. He's a big dude. He's like 6'4", 310, but he can move. And the fact that he got that much you know, credit from Belichick or earned it 
probably is a better way of saying it, to play in that Patriots defense and showed out well as a rookie. He's a guy I'm completely targeting if I'm in an offensive, yeah, offensive line required league. I'm not actually in one of those. If I'm in a defense Challenge accepted. Yeah, I, I played in one once. It wasn't that fun. That was probably 15 years ago. Maybe not that long, but the scoring was not good. My point is, if I'm in a defensive tackle required league or in those interior alignment, I'm totally targeting this guy because he didn't like blow up by any means, but he has that chance, and he's going to be on the field more. He's got all the talent in the world. If he can keep putting it together, I think he's going to be a force in those type of leagues where he could end up having, you know, defensive lineman three type value just in straight defensive line leagues potentially. So he's young. He's talented. He had a very nice rookie year, even though the stats weren't great. And he got that playing time, which is huge for young guys. And he's just going to continue to get that. So far more, if you're in one of those type of leagues, I would be going out to target him because I think there's a very good chance in those tier alignment defensive tackle leagues. We're talking about him like a top 10 in terms of dynasty value at this time next year. All right. So Craig talked about Barmore. Austin, I know you love Ojolari, so end it with that. Let's hear what you have to say about Ojolari and how much you love him. I'll keep it short. <laughs> He's really good. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Had, we'll see you later. He had eight, eight and a half sacks, whatever he had last year. He got a ton of playing time, which was great. I thought his landing spot coming out of college was great. I'm glad that he slid in the draft. I'm glad he landed in New York. I love the way that they use him in New York. I think he is a great compliment to the pieces that they have there. When you look at Blake Martinez in the middle and Tay Crowder, who's going to play weak side linebacker again, I thought Tay Crowder did an excellent, excellent job last year. Uh, was a guy that I actually picked up in one of my leagues off the waiver wires and kept for the, the, the remainder of the year. You know, they've got some good defensive linemen that they're adding, obviously bringing in Kayvon Thibodeau. You know, they've got Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. So there's a lot of really good guys on that defensive line and the back end isn't too terrible. So Aziz Ojolari should still continue to get to the quarterback. And I see him getting, you know, having good production again on sacks, being able to get more tackles this year, hopefully, and just being a real, a guy that can actually make a difference on your fantasy squads. I, I, I could see him playing That's it. even better than he did last uh, year. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. We're here every Monday night, short of holidays, you know, We'll be back until the season goes. Once we get to Monday Night Football, then obviously you won't be seeing us, but we'll be doing some other things IDP-wise to help fill in some of that gap so that you guys still get some amazing quality IDP content. As always, we thank you guys. You know, Like, subscribe, hit the notification icon. Hopefully everything goes well for you in your IDP rookie drafts. If they're going on and you need some help, go to rotoheat.com. Our rankings are updated. We update them at the beginning of every month. As long as all of us are getting our heads on straight and getting them done in time, they're done by June 1, and these ones were ready and, and rocking, so they're out for you. If you need them, rotoheat.com. we got rankings for Devi, offense, defense, super flex, everything you think of, we got a ranking for, even underdog, best ball. So we got you covered over on rotoheat.com. Uh, for Craig and Austin, we thank you guys as always for hanging out with us. Have fun. Be safe and hopefully Jurassic World's great or Jurassic Dominion, Jurassic Park Dominion, whatever, whatever it is. Jurassic hopefully it's amazing. Jurassic World Dominion, you know what it is. <laughs> hopefully the Chris Pat Pratt party hour is wonderful and you guys oh all enjoy your gosh. week. The IDP Heat Seekers is a proud member of the Roto Heat family of podcasts. Find more content on Dynasty, Redraft, Devi, and more at rotoheat.com.